Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Sonic Speaks. Welcome everyone, I'm Jack Ward and this is Sonic Speaks and we're here with some new audio drama producers who have begun an exciting series, we're actually just about to begin season two of The Crossing Guard Tapes. Jazz Garwal and creator Jim Waters. How are you guys tonight? Jim, how are you doing first? Doing great, doing great. great Good, and, and Jazz, how are you? Doing well, thank you for having us. So tell me first of all, why audio drama? Why did you guys get involved in that? Let's start with Jazz then. Um, actually, you know, it's actually by way of Jim, um, you know, Jim and I have known each other for a long time. Jim, uh, you know, is a recording engineer, we're both in Tucson, Arizona, and he has a studio in town. And one day I cold called him and, and, you know, basically just showed up like an orphan on his doorstep and said, you, you were in college that? at the time. I was in college, but you know, still Explain an that. orphan. You were, yeah, yeah, he was an orphan and, and he wanted to do an internship at my studio. So that's how we met. That's how we met. And, uh, and what was your degree in? It was media arts. So, and right. yeah. And so that, you know, kind of, uh, but I had a long interest in music and, um, and actually just production in general across, you know, both fields. And actually once I, you know, got out of uh, school, I got into uh, video production, post-production, and then <clears throat> podcasting was taking off um, pretty much when I was, you know, starting to do some, uh, you know, my own uh, video work and, and it just kind of coincided with, when was uh, that? That was, uh, back in like early 2000, like 2005, 2006 is when, yeah, we started shooting, uh, yeah. Own products and our own video and everything. We well, started and writing then, your own scripts too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so, and with that, you know, podcasting was kind of hand in hand with, you know, helping to promote that. And then that, you know, naturally kind of rolled into, you know, over the years, like, um, you know, longtime podcasting fan, but then, uh, you know, started getting interested in um, audio dramas in general. And then Jim, one day we were having lunch uh, and he was talking about, uh, he had been recording uh, uh, the Crossing Guard tapes. And, you know, we started talking about how to, you know, get it out there. Um, and I said, you know, Jim, have you heard of podcasting? <laughs> I have <laughs> And you had Jim. You, you no, no. I, it was a job. Yeah, no. But you, okay. you do run a, a studio. What? How long have you been running that studio? And what is it? Is it basically music? Are you a musician? Um, I wouldn't call my. I'm a musician. Like jazz is a musician. You see, I have some things here that are hanging behind right. me, but uh, I pick them up once a year or so. And uh, no, but um, I used to have a studio in New York back in the '80s and into the '90s. Then I moved out here to Tucson. I hated living in New York, and um, and it is mainly music, but I do pretty much everything. You know, I just finished an audio book, uh, you know, one of many this year. Um, um, your own audio book recorded. that is like your your own original work. Oh no 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 no. Yes, other people's. Yeah yeah. I, okay. I'm not ready to record my own yet. I don't think no one would read it. I mean, nobody would read it, but. Well, I mean, but that's kind of what the crossing guard, it's not a memoir or is it, but 
it is ooh, your own work, ooh, but ooh, ooh. yeah, but no, you're sure. not behind the mic on it. Yeah, but it's not my story. It's a story that I wrote. It's oh, come on, shut up. So anyway, um, so <laughs> so so I I started. I I've been writing more or less all my life, and I just enjoy doing it for the for a heck, for for the for the heck of it. And um, I wrote this story back in around you know 2005 or something like that, and uh, it it was based on uh, just. I don't know if you if, if checked out our our, um, our our site yet or anything, but yeah. um, I uh, I used to drive my kids to school in the morning, and I used to see these crossing guards out there, and there were some that just seemed really weird, like you know, and like there was one guy that would stand out there, talking to kind of waving at everyone as they as they drove by and kind of doing a dance and dance routine for them and and kind of doing all this stuff, and I just started thinking. But what if that guy was talking to someone out there? What is who is this for? You know. So I started thinking, oh, this this is deep state times. There's conspiracy theories. The crossing guards are a deep state, you know, organization. Love it. And and, um, and um, so it just got, kind of coincided with the politics of the time too. Like things were moving in kind of a kind of a not fun way uh, in our country and. Um, and then I started, uh, I, I just kind of wrote kind of a black comedy, like a, it's, it's about this kid who becomes a crossing guard. Uh, he's not a kid, he's in his thirties, but you know, he's not super bright. The cro being a crossing guard is like something that he's got to really work at. He wants to be really good at because it it's going to be his job. You know, this is, he wants to really work at it and do something great, you know, something really cool. And, uh, and, it, and he's just struggling to stay with it. So the, the whole thing starts off with him on a day-to-day -day account of struggling with, you know, getting to work and all this kind of stuff. And then little by little, the conspiracy part of it kind of sneaks in without him knowing it. And next thing you know, he's been dragged into this dark world, uh, you know. Very cool, very cool. You're gonna have to go listen to Doug the Crossing Guard by Electric Bonsai Band, if you haven't heard that before. That's a, that's a great film. Oh, wow. So, yeah, okay. no, it's... Yeah, no, it's 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 very very funny. And once you listen to it, send me a message because I want to okay, hear what your okay. thoughts are. Kind okay. of thing. Who is it again? It's uh, Electric Bonsai Band, um, which is one man uh, okay. who does a bunch of different songs, and uh, they're all comedies. And the song is Doug the Crossing Guard. Okay. Uh, so yeah, very very funny guy. So so jazz. So did you you had this germ of this idea, which you had as six episodes for one season? Did you identify more than one, how many seasons did you want to see out of the cross uh, crossing guard tapes? Well, so that that was with uh, you know when Jim and I were talking, it was uh, yeah, basically looking at you know kind of what he wrote, what he had recorded to and and basically um, you know it was a combination of figuring out. Um, you know kind of where the story beats are right and right. and also what are the uh you know kind of what length of episodes like would those kind of sit into and so it was basically kind of you know in, in some ways like kind of working our way up to like okay this is you know okay we've got um yeah i i, mean, I think we're still kind of squishy on either it's going to be a three seasons or four seasons uh so we still haven't nailed that down so you know a short answer is it's a work in progress right now <laughs> in terms of figuring out how many seasons and how many episodes but you know we well, landed story, on oh the sorry, story isn't done the story isn't done yet it's but we, we were recording it and then the pandemic came and it shut it down right. and so we're in the middle of we finished season three 
and a half. I mean, oh wow, in the, in the middle of three, and wow. and then it kind of shut down. But the story's not been told yet. But we're, it's kind of weird, you know. It's as yeah, long as it yeah, takes, I mean, right? Pandemic. That's Sorry, one of the best things. I said it's as long as it takes. That's one of the best things about audio drama podcasting is. Time-wise, the show can be whatever you want it to be. You're not yeah. stuck within some kind of format in the same way. And right. length-wise, it's the exact same thing as, sure. as the best of that show for that reason. Right. Now, could you could you tell me a little bit about like your your favorite? Both of you said that you've been writing. Um, is there a specific genre you enjoy the most or that you find yourself writing towards, Jazz? Let's start with you. Uh, yeah, for me, it's... Um, you know, I definitely you know go towards uh sci-fi there's always comedy involved in some way but it's definitely uh you know kind of more sci-fi um but you know the gamut of you know kind of uh grounded sci-fi like uh um and, which is harder to do these days because like the world's moving so quickly right like uh so <laughs> you know, sometimes i feel like i've been outwritten by like the newspapers you know uh <laughs> so but yeah generally kind of uh you know um in some ways like uh cynical like black mirror style right um so which again like i i feel bad for black mirror too because like i think the world outpaced them <laughs> yes yeah so. no yeah i'm a big fan of the twilight zone from way back and so most of my stories have that anthology kind of feel for that same kind of reason very cool what about you jim um, yeah, I, I think I think usually there's a black comedy element of it. Pr probably not sci-fi so much, but uh, definitely a little bit of supernatural thrown in, just a little bit of mystical just for fun, just because it's like it, it's for people who don't quite understand what, you know, they're not maybe attached to reality as much as you think they or that they think they are. And so all these elements can come into play. And, you know, it just it just to, to me, it's comical, you know. What yeah. did you guys do for for actors at at that point? That you had that? Did you do that? Did you do it in your studio, Jim, or have yes. you had people? Okay, cool. Because a lot of people will do satellite acting, right? They'll record something and send it off. But you had people in your studio. Yeah. Well, again, it was before the pandemic, so that was it was just normal stuff. Um, and since I own the studio, I know the guy who owns it. I can get a good deal on time instead of. But but you know, I recorded. Uh, almost but is he first... difficult to work with? Is he is. I can't even pronounce his name. Waiters, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I know the guy. <laughs> Known him for a um, long time. Yeah, but but I rec I had recorded the uh, a lot of it with a, an actor that wasn't working at all, and I'd spent a lot of time trying to get it together with this guy. He was a friend, and he was he's a he's an actor, but it just he just didn't didn't work out. So I scrapped all of that and. Kind of ran into someone randomly that I that I know, that just has a really great voice for it, and and he's a also a musician and just an interesting guy. And he he was youngish enough that because it's it, you want the person to sound a little bit naive, not like a teenager, but a little bit older than that, but still, right. you know, like a childlike quality to their to them. And, for sure. And so there was this friend of mine, and uh, so it turned out great. And then he's doing the music for this too. You know, the, oh, the music is supplied by him, so it's very nice. Oh, that's fantastic. So um, it's interesting that you mentioned story beats beforehand, and it just sort of struck me. Do you guys feel that musicians 
are really good for this kind of work because they also can capture the beat of the of the character as well at the time because there is a certain beat and rhythm that goes on when you're listening even more so than on stage oh i just think a really good actor has that intuitively anyway you know like just the way they speak just you know like they're, they're not just saying the lines they're they're making each line uh each each word really kind of count and so there are there's already a natural rhythm that if if they if they have that interest in they have that talent to begin with you know so yeah i i mean i guess you could say that it's a musical thing for sure so i would even expand uh, expand on that and say um just across the board um anybody involved with the production you know either in you know in front of the mic or behind the board um i think having that sense of rhythm does you know help out a lot because uh, and i you know felt like i kind of found that my way into that backwards like coming from audio working with audio and then going into video post-production like i realized like oh you know i kind of have um i brought that sense of rhythm into editing and that kind of gets a lot of the um like when helping other editors work on their work too what i started seeing was you know somebody who didn't have the same experience wasn't quite hitting that and things seemed a little bit off but then in talking to them and expressing it to them they they were able to see it immediately too and kind of start feeling it and so i think yeah just across the board having that rhythm um and then you know there's i i think you can kind of you know stretch the analogy even further and say like you know the director kind of is the conductor and making sure everybody's in sync because yeah, for sure there's nothing worse than everybody you know having that sense of rhythm but having different beat when they're in the same room so do you record people individually or do you try to bring anybody in together to record or is it? No, it's always been individual. Um, uh, mainly because it's being told through the guy's, you know, his own mind, you know, right. so it's, it's him. And then occasionally I've had other people come in and talk to him, but check generally speaking, those things are kind of overdubs that kind of are interspersed with his main inner dialogue, you know? I mean, there is some Foley work where there was a bunch of people, or actually just both my kids, running around like crazy. We just trapped them in a room and turned the mic on and said, go. And That's right. That's right. And your wife. And yes, yeah, yeah. Well, she was she was the overdub, right? <laughs> she was out there. She was screaming with them, too. She just was. Oh, she was. That's true. Right, she right. totally was. She was, she was also... yeah, she was worse. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. exactly. Out of control. It's like kids, get out of there, get to safety. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she did it. She was one of the voices too. As as yeah. is my wife and my yeah. children. Like generally, you'll hear their voices all in there, here and there. You know. So Jazz, then you have been doing much of the production part of the actual editing of the story together, or has that no, been Jim as well? That's Jim. Um, for like the bonus episodes, I've been um, right. doing working on those yeah but uh actual episodes that's that's jim you know take a listen to you know to them when they're done and we'll kind of you know talk uh, a little bit here and there but you know basically right. what he uh creates is is what goes straight there there's you know a few he's he's been doing this a little while you know i mean i do like the idea of now i get to give him notes i you know the intern's the master now like that right well that's that's the hard part of working with people between it's it's easier when you're the writer and the director because you know what you want to hear yeah. but yeah. when you get more than one person working on the same project and both of you producers Talk about your process of how you guys get together and, and listen to something and decide what to do and what to change. Generally speaking, I, I take 
I have the story that's already been written and and I take little chunks of it and decide which pieces of it I want to use for an episode. And, you know, I might talk to Jazz at some point and say, what do you think about this as a starting and ending point, you know, or what about including this piece or something like that? And then and then once I've decided on that, I just go in and, and I bring my sound, my uh, my voice guy, Tommy Nikolai, and uh, and we come in and record it all and I put it all down. And then I start collecting sound effects that I want that I'm hearing in there. And I create the story around all that. And then once I've done that, I would let Jazz check it out and see if there's any glaring things like waiters, what the hell are you thinking? You know, you know, that that's kind of made more or less the process, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean we we've worked together on um various projects like audio and, and video as well. And so it's just pretty I mean again, I think just given like um just our history together, like I think we naturally came together, you know, in terms of just how we go back and forth on something. So if yeah. something's coming from one of us to the other, then it's you know, that person has the idea, you know, like for me I trust Jim and his idea like through and through. So it's just more kind of a support role, like have you thought about doing this or like, you know, if it comes yeah. to casting for this character down the line, what yeah. about these people? And sure. you know, and then or, or if something's sticking out. If something's sticking yeah, out, we exactly. catch, you know. Yeah. So you've, yeah. you've been doing both video and, and audio. Are, what do you think of the audio format for storytelling? Are you are you finding it something that you would like to do more of when you're done the series? Do you have other ideas that are popping up? Or do you think that, you know, this is just a, a side venture as you do video stuff as well? No. So, yeah, I transitioned off video for a little while, for a while now um, into software for a bit too. So, you know, all the interesting things coming out with like generative you know, images and things like that have pulled me back into video a bit just to play around with it. But even when I was doing video, the importance of audio is like, I, I feel like if you take like something that's shot well, it looks great, like immaculate, but you put audio on there that's recorded on iPhone, not edited at all, like suddenly that image doesn't look as great anymore. And so audio is always, and I mean, Jim can attest to this, my first feature my audio was all shot. We had to ADR all of it. So bring in the actors and redub all of it, which was a painstaking process, but it's amazing, you know, just how much audio really informs what you're seeing too. It so, does. And it's, as important, so I think, it's as important as the image, you know? I, I, I would say even more important. I'm not trying to butter you up here, Jim, because you live, you're close just by. Just leave you know it at live, equal, but, okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Say, I love the uh, the example that people have. Is like if you take a, a movie yeah. and you turn down the sound to nothing and you watch the movie, it's very easy to get lost, generally, unless yeah. it's like a silent movie designed specifically for that. But if you uh, turn your TV around, which doesn't make a lot of sense because people t watch TVs on their walls now, but you'd, if you had the chance to turn a TV around and only listen you usually can follow what's going on. There is, so, like you said, uh, sound can inform story yeah. so much more. But there are differences. Did you find, even in the storytelling, Jim, that you, you had to make some changes so that oh, you focused specifically on the sound format? What did you do for that? Well, okay, so so when I originally wrote, the, wrote it, it was a book. It wasn't a, a, a podcast or anything. It was like in a book form. So I had to go through... And anything that was descriptive of any in any way, um, I, I had to put that in there and, and make sure it was happening. That's all. It's it's just you know, and 
Jazz and I have gotten that into that a lot, you know, with, with a lot of the things we've been writing, just understanding that the format of, of, a, of a screenplay doesn't necessarily work for a podcast because the screenplay describes things that are visual, but a podcast has to describe the visual, the, the audio part of that, you know, uh, without, without saying it out loud. Oh, I see a red car or something like that, you know, like mm -hmm. stuff has to uh, be implied or, or brought in in a more clever way, you know. Did you have any um, either old time radio shows or podcasts that you would look towards to give you sort of inspiration or that you found really interesting that you would like to tell the stories in, a, in those formats? I'm not so sure that, but, you know, I, I do remember my parents, you know, when I was a kid, I always had those, those radio shows. They would play us all those old things from the, you know, before TV. You know, and, and, and that was really amazing how they were able to conjure up all these sounds and everything and, and make you feel like you were right seeing it, you know. And I think that's inspiration enough right there. That was that was pretty pretty amazing, you know. Very cool. Were you at the same way, Jazz? I mean, you, you came to podcasting before Jim, so at least you found out about it. Were you, did you have some favorites that you thought were really great ways of, of telling stories? um let's see so yeah i mean like with the audio drama like you know kind of somewhat similar to jim's experience too like i uh i'm my parents got me like uh the shadow tapes and like the lone ranger tape you know so i had that um and then actually you know um i think a little you know we were talking kind of um up front a little bit about uh the uh the star wars uh um audio drama like i remember that as and going to uh podcasts i think I kind of like flowed with kind of where I think my interest in podcasts took me. And so, of course, you know, at the beginning, it's, you know, nonfiction, more talk podcasts. Then, you know, Serial comes out and then uh, Magnus Ar Archives. And, and there's just so many uh, different examples out there. Like, and it's, it's funny, too, because like, you know, there's like big label ones, right? Like the Batman one on Spotify, which which is good and everything, but I do find myself going towards, you know, indie creators. Although, like, you know, some of the Q code stuff I like as well. But, yeah, I still kind of find my way back to indie creators. And also, you know, just anything that has, like, kind of um, a good arc. Ongoing, I like, but at the same time, like, it just reminds me too much of, you know, network TV from a decade or two back where it's like, is this show ever going to end? Are they going to get off the island ever, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I like it's to know... That like I don't necessarily need to know where we're going, but I just need to know that the driver knows we got to get out of the car at some point. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on Lost; it made me so angry. <laughs> yeah. I almost threw my 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 TV through the window. In that yeah. Oh man, that, that, that series finale, finale that was just oh they lost the thread. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Pun intended, right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What kind of software do you guys edit with? I use Logic Audio. Okay. And so and you work with that as Ableton well. Live. So, Ableton so, Live, I don't know that one. So. so that was, it's kind of geared more towards, like initially when it came out, it was geared more towards like DJs and everything. And, and I didn't, right. you know, go into that. There, it just, I liked um, its interface better. It just seemed a little bit more intuitive. But even, you know, way back when I first started at Jim's studio, he was a Mac guy, I was a Windows guy. And there was a lot of like cold shoulders, a lot of nos hawking each other. And, <laughs> and now, <laughs> you know, I converted good. to a Mac. Uh, but now we're still, I, I had to keep something. So it's Ableton versus Logic. We still have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people are using Reaper 
because yeah. it's uh, of accessibility and it constantly keeps updating for that reason too. So I'm, I'm sure, but you know, I use Logic because it's it's a really super versatile music software, and and you can you can score movies. I mean, you can do so much with it. It's like well, it's it's, it's there already. I it, might as well use it. You know? Well, both of you make music as well and and record and and stuff like that. Tell me the process because this is something I'm looking to do in the next six months is to start making music for my shows um, uh -huh. tell me tell me what's the best the best method let's get past the logic the, the software specifically how how do you do what do you do to go about recording an instrument making it larger than life making it sound more like an orchestra all those aspects what's what's your process well you, you start with a really big sounding orchestra and you bring them into your uh now, um, so what yeah, kind of I have John Williams just in the background <laughs> here with oh. the Boston Pops, so it really helps. Yeah, yeah it really does. You tell him to so keep it, it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Go ahead, Jim. No, I was just going to first of all say, what instruments are you planning to record? What kind of music? Uh, a bunch of different stuff because I write all over the place, but I do have, I, I am a guitar player and I do have some background piano, so I have a keyboard and stuff like that, but I, I am a huge fan of orchestral stuff, like bringing in stuff to bring a, a very cinematic sound in some cases, not in all cases, yeah. and it really depends to me on the genre of the show that I'm doing and yeah. and where it's going. It's I. So that's what I'm interested in, in, in what you guys would recommend. We have something to say, I think, Yeah, I, I would say like um, with orchestral, especially, I would look at like native instruments um, too. Like I would do kind of like more in the box for that, just because unless you do have John Williams back there and he's he's clamoring to get it, you know, that's a good way to get like, um, they have a lot of like really, you know, that in Spitfire Audio have really good um, sample libraries of, um, you know, string uh, whole sections and, they sound and very good. Yeah, they're and they have different they articulations real. too, so you can get you know that like nuance in there too. Because that's the other thing too is doing stuff in the computer. You do lose that live feel, right? That right. you know that really kind of and and you know if you're not careful, it's it's easy to you know hear that it's like you know this sounds very you know very uh, mechanical. That it doesn't have any you know humanity to it. And I think with their samples they they bring that in um so i would so say also, yeah. that's spitfire you were saying and do they you know and native uh native instruments looking native at instruments. um yeah they're uh was it like complete package uh but not you don't have to get complete but like uh just look at some of what they offer under um their contact sample libraries and they contact is their sample playback uh uh and they they sell their own stuff for it but then third parties also uh, create stuff for it as well, and it's you know. It, and do it, you um, use your regular editing software to to work with that, or do you have specific music software that you, it best works with the instruments for you to be able? No, to No, that that's you know stuff? where you can throw it into Logic or into Ableton. Um, you know, plug in a MIDI keyboard and your whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all controlled by your keyboard, right? At yeah. that point, so you just get into. I mean, they, then it comes out on it as a MIDI, a MIDI thing on, on your desktop there, and you just can you can you can mess with the different individual notes. If something's not loud enough, turn it up. If it's in the wrong place, move it over a little bit. I mean, most m movies and TV shows at this point are done that way. Very few of them 
have big orchestras anymore. I, super high budget movies, fine, they're still using that, but a lot of them aren't. So right. you can make it sound really great. They sound good. Very cool. Any any t uh, tips and tricks when you when you're doing this to make it easier for someone? That's yeah. Let, let me think. Uh, what I mean, I think it's just. I mean, once you kind of get comfortable with the software and everything, if you, as long as you know where That's you're going it. with the music, then I think those two work together. It's really, I think, at that point, like it's you know the only obstacle is the software or the nine times out of ten the, the thing that takes the longest is something's not working right and it's not that you know like exactly. sometimes they're you know and, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's you know crafting the sound and it's like you're not quite getting the sound you want but the sound still sounds good and you're like you know what i'm the only one who's going to notice it i can keep moving forward but you're not going to get to the you know you'll get to points too where it's like why is i'm hitting you know the c and nothing's happening you know and so that's and then you forget what you're there for anyways and you're like okay day's gone and i didn't do anything yeah. so yeah so it's it just really yeah takes, yeah it really just takes getting used to the software and and just using it all the time and, and seeing all the different ways you can manipulate it that's all you know there's Very a learning cool. curve well i mean like when it comes to creating something for a show what is it that you have to infuse that will be unique to that show that people will remember the music and it'll hit the right emotional points? There, there have to be elements that a musician has to consider when they're thinking about that. Like if I'm creating a Western, there are certain things that are very Western style songs and you're like, yeah, that's totally a Western, right? Um, if I'm doing a cyberpunk show, there are certain things that I can utilize to provide cyberpunk shows. I'm curious as to how genre and specifically the music for Crossing Guard Tapes, even though you guys didn't create it, one of your buddies did, did you have these kind of conversations of what you wanted it to sound like? How did those come across? No, not at, not at all. It's it's funny because, because I didn't really know what kind of music I wanted. I, I knew that it, I wanted something that was just weird and quirky and strange that was kind of left kind of kept you off guard a little bit so you it, it didn't feel comfortable um it wasn't annoying at the same time it wasn't scary but it was just something it was like you know almost like you know outer limits kind of something there's something weird it's telling you that something weird's going on here without being like just um you know obvious about it and so i had a, a friend do some music and he, he makes a lot of home recordings and uh, the first, because this was this was uh, put out. We did this like three years ago, and now we're, we're, we're we took it off. We're rebooting it, and um, that music didn't quite work. You know, like in the end, it's like it, it didn't quite wasn't evocative of what I wanted. And then again, this friend of mine that um, uh, he he was doing the voiceovers, and he he was the guy that did the voice, you know, the, the original one, and he would just always send me music that he was working on. And one day he sent me something and I went, that's really interesting. It wasn't specifically for this, but it was like, that's so great. There's got something kind of weird about it. And, and uh, you know, um, it, it was actually for another series that we had been working on called Paranormal Safari, which was um, uh, that you worked on that briefly. But uh, it was about, you know, because because. Uh, there was all those shows of all the ghost hunters and all these people. And so we, we did a kind of a quick parody of, of something like that. And he was writing it for that in particular. And, uh, and, 
And then, uh, then I went, no, that, that really works for this. This is really, that's really good. You know, very cool. I think like speaking to, you know, music, I, I think that also like kind of, um, you know, kind of goes back to this, the talking about the rhythm of a show. Right. And I think that's the thing is like, you know, if, if the musician or, you know, the music fits that rhythm and fits in there. Cause I think, yeah. you know, just with video and with audio too, the music is a character that shouldn't step on everybody else. It should be adding to it. So in some ways, yeah, you can recall a theme song, but hopefully you can't recall a moment, you know, you recall the dialogue, not, you know, the music behind it. Cause otherwise I feel like the music isn't doing its job. If it's stepping on to, you know, what Jim was saying is like, it just feels right. We're working on it on our own. It's, it's easier to kind of get in there because we have that. So talking with uh, other people on production too, how do you convey that? And so I think with music, Actually, with, you know, podcasts in general, you can kind of pull up samples and say, like, hey, you know, this is kind of the show we're going for. Music, there's a lot more examples that you can kind of give more kind of mood and tone and and, and genre, too. Some ways it's easier to talk, and sometimes you just, you know, meet with somebody who just doesn't speak the same language as you, and you just kind of have to keep moving on and, like, oh, that was fun, but... Might so. be good for an, another particular project, but this yeah. one just doesn't yeah. gel. Exactly. Know, right? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. There's, so speaking of like things that work and don't work, what was the most difficult aspects of putting together the, the Crossing Guard tapes? Where did you find yourself faltering the most, Jim? Well, the book itself, it was really hard to kind of figure out where to start because the book doesn't. Well, I don't. I don't know if you've heard any episodes, but the first uh, episode of the podcast starts somewhere in the story. Yes, and, I heard, and, I heard and, the first one, yes. Right, and then it circles back, and that was a decision that was made because the original story doesn't do that. It starts with to just day-to-day, oh, I just got this job, and it just kind of goes through that. But it wasn't a very compelling way to start something. I didn't, it didn't bring you into it because it's like a guy just going through his like he had some coffee this morning, he met his boss. And, you know, it's like, it's like this daily routine of, of him gradually getting into this, but it takes a while to get there. So I wanted to start with something that said, it's going there at some point, wait for it, you know? So, so that was really a, that was a really big thing. And then, and then gradually I had to weed out some things from the story that, that weren't good for the podcast, you know? So, you know, stuff like that. And what about you, Jazz, coming into it? What was the hardest part for you, as you said, that you were learning this? I think it, it was, you know, I think for, for me, it was just trying to find the best way to get it out there and kind of express, you know, kind of how unique it is. Because I think there's a lot of unique work out there, um, too. But I, I feel like just the soundscape, the the vibes to it as well. It's like, uh, I almost feel like it's kind of um, a very edgier, um, more kind of, or, or a darker, you know, but still um, has that fun, but like uh, kind of Stranger Things style. Like it's it's less, you know, Stranger Things is is you know you know great series and everything, but it's it's very it's you know Stranger Things has that eighties actions or eighties like Goonies style to it, where right. this is I think a lot more um, just kind of has an indie like edgier vibe to it, and so it was, but that's something that kind of you start realizing as you're listening to it. And so it's how do you let people know that, you know, in and get, you know, yeah. audiences and finding that audience as well. And so that actually was solved almost last minute because I was kind of writing up like, you know, materials for this as well. And 
and Jim was, you know, reading one of the things I uh, wrote and he said, you know, he always envisioned it as coming from the, or like, you know, like an authoritarian, authoritative or like FBI perspective. And right. that just like set the ball rolling there where we actually, you know, so the podcast takes place in the 80s, but all the bonus episodes in the marketing is, is present day. And it's mm -hmm. looking back at like, why was this buried? Diving into that conspiracy aspect, but many decades later. And so, and that's been fun too, like kind of creating that, that world outside, you know, to, to uh, you know, encompass that, expand that. That brings a really important aspect. Did you find it difficult to sort of operate in Jim's world? Was there a lot of back and forth in, in repairing like ideas that you had or, or was it just a natural transition when you got, when you listened to the show? And I think, again, that comes from us working together because, you know, it's been the other way where, you know, I've shot like I've shot a short video, a short uh, movie and then, um, you know, kind of get the audio all in place and then just hand it to Jim and Jim kind of he gets, you know, where I'm coming from. I know where he comes from with that, too. So I you and maybe there is like uh, I almost think an implicit trust and Jim's like, wait, you did what to buy? You know, <laughs> so but no, it, it's we generally just need kind of like um a high level conversation about where is, are things going, what's going to happen. And then we're both generally what we work on. Yeah, we'll reconvene, but it's, you know, there's very little changes after that. It's, it's usually, you know, maybe some, some weird things are like, you know, why did you throw in that many tambourines and kazoos? But, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise it's, it's been, yeah, pretty good. It, it's basically, yeah, just nailing kind of the general concept because the details are for both of us, you know, we know where each other's going to, and, and maybe we'll like reach out or like say like, what do you think about going this way or going to do this? How does that affect uh, where you're coming from as well? So, it affects everything. So you're like, no, yeah, do that. It's like, stop it. Stop it, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and I put more kazoo in. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. It's always good when you can have your main character talk to their kazoo and the kazoo can play back. And exactly. Like this, this, exactly. This whole it's, conversation it's... thing. Or your music, out. get a kazoo. There you go. Yes, yeah. That will work very well, I'm yeah. sure. With a full Thank mic setup. So which... <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will credit you in the show when I do that. So people can know <laughs> where to write their emails. <laughs> so... Waiters did that. <laughs> Waiters did that. Folks, where can we find the Crossing Guard tapes? Um, it's on every podcast directory out there. It seems like there's a new one every three minutes, and we're trying <laughs> to keep up with that. But you can also go to thecrossingguardtapes.com, find links and listen to episodes directly there, and yeah, subscribe away. Awesome. Any last things you'd like to share with us about upcoming projects or what we can expect in the upcoming season? Yeah, upcoming season is coming out in the fall. And then upcoming projects, we are working with another friend of ours to do kind of a, a true crime uh, kind of satire in a way. Like, uh, I, I don't want to say full on parody. And, and that's been turning out pretty interesting. And then we're uh, if you uh, subscribe to our feed now, we're dropping in friends of the podcast, just different episodes as well. So, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to us too and, um, you know, it's, thinking about, you know, they want another avenue to, you know, drop a episode, uh, hit us up and we can talk. Thank yes. you so much. Talk to us. I really appreciate you both. Uh, Thank you so much. Giving me yeah. the time, Jim and Jonathan. No, this is awesome. The Thank Crossing you. Guard tapes, folks. Let's have a listen to that as soon as possible. I really appreciate it. Have a great night. You bet. Thank you.
one knows where he comes from. Some say he's not a man. Some say he's a force. Not of nature, but of something more primal than that. He's the acid taste of vengeance you can't quite swallow down in a town that's besieged by fear. An unbreathed regret. Others say he was a man who wouldn't rest until all the pain in the world was fed back to those who minded out of others. He's only known by one name, from county to county, in the hours past dawn, and in the haze-filled air, you'll see him walking towards you if you keep secrets, if you harm folks. He's the drifter, and he won't stop. Till sorrow's end. A weird western series from Jeffrey Billard starring The Drifter. From Audio Groovecats and the Amigo Collective. Coming 2023 only on Mutual with Episode 1 before a wind.